College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 36 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1Baseball.com podcast. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney, and... As I sit here right now, I am the luckiest man in college baseball. I'll come back to that in a second. Tonight's episode brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from youth levels all the way to the pros. Love the guys at S2 Cognition, and uh, we appreciate that partnership very, very much. Uh, The reason I'm the luckiest man in college baseball is because over the last two weekends, I have been able to take in college baseball in the presence of the great Aaron J. Fitt and Kendall J. Rogers, like literally sitting next to these people watching these legends and watching college baseball. And now I'm getting to, to look at Joseph Jose Healy and do a podcast. So that is why I am the luckiest man in college baseball. Gentlemen, good evening. Hello. Hola, como estas to you, sir? <laughs> hey, me, na, me llamo es Miguelito. Uh, uh, gentlemen, gentlemen. Oh yeah, I, I got, I got. Uh, You're from Arizona. You should at least know that. For the day job, I covered Tucson. I can, I can send you an email in Spanglish, Kendall. Like with, with anybody. My Spanglish is, is, uh, is uh, muy decent. Can, can we get the Mayamo construction right? Just Mayamo Miguelito. You don't need the ace. Come but on. no, if you, if you don't yeah. throw in the ace, then you're, no. you're, it's too good. You know, yeah. I, I don't want to be, I don't, yeah, I want to be choppy. Uh, can we get middle names? I don't know your official middle names. Joe Healy, what's your official middle name? Dwight. Oh, my oh. God. like, like, like Whoa. after Eisenhower? Uh, yes. I mean, as in Eisenhower, my mom used to call me, you know, the thing where, um, you know, you're in trouble when you get the middle name, you know, my mom used to throw a Eisenhower in there. She would refer to me as Joseph Dwight Eisenhower Healy. And people no thought, you know, yeah, oh yeah, like in public too. Like she just, I don't, you know, I think it just became a habit, and so she would just do it by for, you know, by by a habit, and, and not really realizing that that's not probably something you should do in public. But um, so, yeah, what, what, it's so it's Dwight. So when you got the the Joseph Dwight Evans Healy, you knew you were really in trouble. That's your, your real. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's oh right. Yeah, she Joe, hated the Red Sox. So that's how I knew. Joe, have you ever seen the movie Fletch, or is that before your time? Oh, it's before my it's before my time. I've not seen it, but it's oh. not that it's before my time that I've not seen it. Uh, I can't remember. What? I can't remember which Fletch, but remember when you he haven't says seen his Fletch? name was Harry S. Truman. Yeah. So good. Is, no, wait, no, you got to be kidding me! Homework assignment. No, I've, I've not seen Fletch. I'm actually. This is a hot take. I'm actually not a big movie guy. Oh, here we I'm go. Well, not. I'm not like, either. I, but you guys have you be, seen Airplane? This is no. This is oh a. Oh my god! This is a topic for another day. This is like a hashtag. Bre- I'm gonna, I'm just gonna tweet. This is breaking news. I don't care who anybody hires this summer. It's not bigger news than this. <laughs> Tony Rossi <laughs> retires, and Joe Healy has never seen Airplane or, or Flesh. Flesh. Goodness, please tell me you see Christmas Vacation. I have. That's one of my favorites. Oh, okay. um, I actually went to a Christmas vacation movie party last year. Oh, um, as an off-season well. topic, runes, runes make a middle note. As an off-season topic, when we really are like in the dregs of it, I think you guys would be shocked if, if you ran through a list of the, the movies that I've not seen. Like, I think you'd truly be Duly shocked noted. at the so while so Well, okay, so while we're on this real quick, because I know college baseball fans are really interested to see what movies we've watched. Uh, the only movie that I have never watched in its entirety is the godfather 
Yeah, I've, I've never, I've never, never gone front to back on the Godfather either. Yeah, so you, I've also you, never sat down and listened to all of Animal or watched all of Animal House. Well, that's ridiculous. Uh, like I'm, I'm not even sure if you're I'm, an American I've watched right like, now. like bits and pieces of it, but I never actually sat through the whole movie. That needs to change. Boy, we've got some we we got some work to do on the off season. Aaron, what's a good one for you? Like, what's a good what's a movie that you have not seen? I, I've seen every famous? movie, Kendall. Yeah, I'm sure. yeah, okay. Hey, well, let me get your middle names real quick. Uh, Fitzy? Oh, we a, a, I feel like we've had this conversation like eight Zebediah, times. Zebediah. <laughs> no, it's That's not what Zebediah. the Z stands for. I've made up so many middle names for you guys, I can't even remember your real middle names. Uh, me, me llamo Ace Mateo. Mateo? Like Matthew? Matthew, yes. Look at you. Well done. Kendall? Uh, Alejandro Rosario. <laughs> Alex? Alexander? No. <laughs> Uh, Bradley. Bradley. Okay. I'm writing it down this time. So we're, we're go Braves. Hashtag go Braves. Okay. Keep, good. You guys are, are, initials are Keep chopping. Is that their hashtag? Keep chopping. <laughs> Make them feel Aaron's you. initials are AMF, just like a bowling alley. That's right, baby. <laughs> oh, look at oh, you, Fitzy. Uh, boys, let's get to the college baseball, if if you will. <laughs> um, all right. Let's, let's talk about the rankings. Texas Tech came out. Uh, yeah. uh, the Beavs are in. Oregon State is in. Iowa's mm-hmm. in. Campbell's in. Uh, let's do the controversy. Let's do the speaking of well, uh, hot, hot caliente takes. Yeah. Texas Tech is out. Kendall, you saw them this weekend. Yeah. They're they're ten. Okay, let me let me let me read this to you guys. Their ten and zero start okay. was against teams that had really really struggled. Those teams had a record of. Stay tuned. They had a record of. Five and twenty-nine. So Gonzaga, yeah. Western Illinois, and Air Force are five and twenty-nine, and Texas Tech went ten and zero against Ooh. those teams. So you know that that's scheduling is not like ordering a sandwich off a menu. There's yeah. it's complicated, but that's hurting Texas Tech. So Kendall, you yeah. saw them in person. Talk to us. Well, so to be fair to Texas Tech, like you know, three of those games for Gonzaga were against Tennessee. Um, but at any rate, I, I think when you look at Texas Tech overall. Um, they're, they're a team for me that is in that 25 to 30 range. I just think mm-hmm. the thing about Texas Tech, and, and it kind of goes back to what we talked about the preseason podcast, is every year when you look at Texas Tech, you always look at their offense and you go, okay, they have Josh Young, they have Jace Young, they have you know Eric Gutierrez a few years ago. They've always got kind of that one key cog in the lineup, and the problem with Texas Tech has right now, there is not a guy in that lineup that if you're A&M or you're Baylor or you're Texas, that you're looking at and going – man, that guy really scares me. Like, we can't – you know, we've got to be careful with that guy. Like, they just don't have that hitter so far this year. Gavin Cash, the Texas transfer, you know, he's, he's got a really nice average. He's, he's a solid hitter. But, like, if Gavin Cash is, like, your headliner, that probably doesn't bode well for your offense. So, I just think when you look at Texas Tech overall, for them to transition into the typical elite team, they're going to have to get, you know, more consistent uh, offensively. They're going to have to get somebody to step up and kind of become that superstar. Hudson White was really good behind the plate last night, but like he is just not a guy you can expect to go out there and hit 350 with 14 home runs. Like that's not who Hudson White is. Um, the one thing I will say for Texas Tech moving forward, guys, and this is kind of the, you know another question mark for them coming into the season, was kind of their their pitching roles. And I actually really liked their bullpen last night. Brandon Beckel was up to 95, you know. Uh, Kyle Robinson, you know, was up to, um, you know, was up to 95, 96. Actually, he was up to 96 near the end of his outing. Um, you know, uh, Ryan Free was a lefty up to 94. So I do, I, I did like the depth they showed on the mound over the weekend at the Shriners College Classic. 
But again, you know, you've got Brendan Gertman at the front of the rotation, who's just, for me, is just okay. He's more of a thrower than a pitcher. And so I, I just think for Texas Tech, in essence, um, they have a lot of question marks. With that said, it's Tim Tadlock. And how often does he answer those, those questions as the season progresses? His hit rate's pretty good. So right now, Texas Tech not ranked. In a month and a half, I think Texas Tech will be fine. And I, yep. and I think it's it's worth noting that you know they're eleven and two, and um, if not for a sixteen inning game where they had to lead in the ninth inning, I mean if that game goes their way, then they're twelve and one, and they're certainly still in the rankings. Like it's you know uh, we we took them out because we frankly needed a spot. Um, they went one <laughs> and two. They lost their weekend under twenty four, and we, we needed a spot. We had a bunch of teams we wanted to rank, but like they could have still very easily in a different week they could have just stayed in the yeah. rankings. I mean, like they're you know. They're, they're sure. not, it's not like it, it's a very close margin here. They're still very much like yeah. a top 25 and, caliber team. Yeah. And can I add this too? I mean, you know, Texas tech fans and rightfully so we're kind of like, well, Hey, we just went 16 innings with A&M. Mm-hmm. Like if we're not a top 25 team, then how in the world are they 15? And I'll tell you this, uh, A&M for me, if they lose that game, they probably drop out. Uh, you know, you, you can you simply cannot take a team out or drop a team after a three one week, but I still have a host of question marks about A&M. I feel better about the week of rotation. Troy Wanting threw really well over the weekend. Chris Cortez, guys, we all kind of thought he would take that step forward. He looked outstanding. I mean, he was up to 97, 98 uh, in the sixth inning last night with an electric slider. So the rotation, uh, even outside of Detmer, even though Detmer struggled over the weekend, the rotation looks to be in good shape. They've got a nice bullpen right now, Will Johnson, Evan Ashenbeck. But, guys, offensively, like Jack Moss doesn't look like the same player as he was last year. Ryan Targach hasn't looked like the same player. Austin Bowe's starting to heat up a little bit. But uh, right now, AM offensively just really, really out of sync. So I'll be curious to see if Michael Early can turn the tide there. And they've got to do it quick because, you know, as, as Joe and Mark will write about an SEC Extra in the next couple of weeks, is, I mean, they start out conference play with LSU and Tennessee. So you better figure it out if you're AM. Yeah, yeah, that's I, not not an appetizer. Go ahead, Joe. Not ideal. A couple things. I mean, one on, on Texas Tech real quick is that one thing to keep in mind with them too is they do have a little bit of room for error this season. And by that, I mean, I, the Big 12, I think, is going to be kind of squishy in the middle this year. You know, Texas is off to a slow start. It's clear their offense is, at least at this stage, not uh, not only not what it was last year, but also maybe not even performing to a level that we thought it might so far this season. Oklahoma has been a little bit uneven to start the season. Long story short, outside of Oklahoma State and TCU, who else are we confident in in the Big 12? So I, I'm not saying that it's going to be easy to be the third best team in the Big 12, but that path is, is certainly there when you consider the rest of the rebuilding being done in the Big 12. But to use yeah. your phrase, Joe, you better not play with your food in conference, right? Like, like I think for Texas Tech, like even though they've got 11 wins, I, I mean, I, you know, it's a little too early to be looking at RPI in my opinion, but – Man, some of those teams they've played are going to be an anchor. Well, when you when you when you schedule Gonzaga, you know you think that's going to be a good you series. Hope, yeah, you expect that to be a good. It usually is a good series. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. actually a great series to play because they usually have a good record. And you know, yeah. uh, Air Force was in regional last year. I mean, like it's it's just it's like like you said at the beginning of the show. It's just hard to to forecast exactly what your opponents are going to do. But uh, you're right. I mean, the the fact of the matter is at this point we're three weeks in. And you've got a pretty good idea what your non-conference strength of schedule is going to be based on what, you know, what those teams, what their record is right now, you know, and uh, uh, that's a great point. Like it's not setting them up for ideally for, for postseason positioning. 
Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you, I'll say this about the Big 12 too. You know, I saw TC for the second time this season over the weekend. And I'll tell you what, you know, Kirk Sarlus is doing a really nice job with that pitching staff. You know, you look over the weekend, Garrett Wright's still on the shelf with an injury. He'll be back. Uh, you know, Hunter Hodges, the UNC Wilmington transfer, still hasn't pitched. He's banged up. And they've, they've made do with what they've got. I mean, if you look over the weekend, you know, Chase Hoover, a talented freshman, threw well for them out of the bullpen. Cole Collector continues to play well. And, guys, the X factor for TCU coming this season was going to be Cam Brown. He threw really well against Florida State last weekend, and he threw really well against Rice on Sunday. So, all of a sudden, TCU, for me, uh, has elevated status because Cam Brown has figured it out. He was a guy for me that if he has a big year, t- TCU to me has a really big year as well. Um, the, the other thing, uh, I was going to get Aaron's take on Oklahoma. He saw Oklahoma over the weekend. Aaron, might as well segue over to that. Yeah, I mean, it's it definitely in, in Runes, you know, also was there. And I, I think Runes and I are of similar mind here. Uh, it, it's a very exciting offensive team. Um, obviously we talk a lot about their style of play, but also their, their personnel. I mean, um, you know, they got guys, you know, they got guys who can, who can do stuff. Uh, you know, I mean, it's obviously John Spikerman is, is, is a star who got off to a slow start, but is starting to come out of it, I think. But, um, you know, I, I like the, the depth of that lineup as well. I mean, you got some talented younger guys that they kind of hide lower than the order, like, like, uh, Rocco Garza Gongora and, and Easton Carmichael, who are, you know, just true freshmen who I think have bright futures and, um, you know, Jackson Nicholas got off to a, a slow start, but started to get, to get it going a little bit this weekend. We know he can hit. He, he was great as a freshman last year. Um, I love Anthony McKenzie. I think it's a great addition, a switch hitting athletic piece that they have in the two hole, do a lot of different things. And, and I, obviously you, know, you got to love Dakota Harris to what he did this weekend. I mean, I think he had 10 hits, maybe 11 um, this weekend. I mean, it was wow. a really a tour de force performance. Um, most of those hits came with two strikes. I mean, I think it, at least six hits over the first two days came with two strikes. It's a great two-strike approach. He plays a really good shortstop. Uh, love their offense. I, you know, I know it's not the most powerful offense. They're not going to hit as much, you know, as many home runs as they have in the past, but um, they play aggressive. They have very competitive at-bats. I, I don't know about the pitching. I mean, you know, right now I, I think that's obviously a question mark. Um, I still think there's a little bit, a little bit more depth there, but it's just like, do they have the horses? I think that's the, the part that, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I, I think they've got bullpen pieces, Fitzy, you know, Aaron Weber was interesting and jet Lotus was interesting. Carter Campbell, you know, really could have been on that all tournament team, but you're, you're right. I, I'm not convinced at all that they've got what they need on the front end. I will tell you guys to, to back up Fitzy's point. It is such a fun offense. Like, you know, if you're MLB and you're trying to get baseball away from this three true outcome stuff, Oklahoma's offense is your prototype. I mean, they, they're aggressive. They hit a bunch of home runs. You know, it's not that they don't drive the ball. The two strike approach is so old school. They are just, you know, popping balls the other way with two strikes. They bunt for a hit. If you, you know, um, who's the, 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 phys, the real physical pitcher, Fitzy for Mississippi State. Graham Einestead? Is that no, my Eintema. Eintema. Yeah, Graham Eintema. He's 6'4", 230 pounds, right? This is a big left-handed uh, guy. And Jackson Nicholas, the day after having two home runs, had two bunt hits. And one was a push bunt up the first baseline that Eintema was absolutely defenseless against. And Mississippi State was in a shift. It was brilliant. So they've got the running game. They've got the bunting game. They've got the two-strike approach. They will drive a ball on you. Um, I mean, they are so hard to prepare for, but I, I am, I am, you know, again, Skip Johnson is a wizard with pitching, but I didn't see a front end arm that made you feel like 
they're not going to need to score eight to ten yeah. runs yeah. per game. The thing that was really interesting about just following that tournament over the weekend, just on like social media, is like the Mississippi State fans are like freaking out. Like I'm kind of, I'm legitimately curious because I didn't watch any of the games because I was at Shriners. Like the Mississippi State fans have a reason to be very concerned right now. I mean, look, they haven't played great the first three weeks. Yeah. I mean, they, they've really played terrible defense. I mean, that's, I think, the biggest surprise. I think they're fielding 949 as a team right now, mm. um, and that's mostly the left side of the infield. You know, Slade Alford has, I think, six errors. I, I believe Lane Forsythe yeah. has four. Um, those guys are a lot better than that. You know, yeah. and and they've just they've just struggled. Yeah, they've just struggled. And you watch Alford at third base. I mean, again, like he's fielding like less than 800 right like it's a very very small sample size but like um he's made some kind of bonehead you know mistakes on routine plays that you don't quite understand but i mean he can also make some standout plays i mean he's got arm strength he's got you know hands he can he can do things over there like he can it shows you like he's got the ability to be to be a really good player at third base he's just He's got to be more consistent, and you know, uh, I, again, it's only a few, it's it's a dozen games, this small sample size. I don't know if it's a matter of confidence or whatever, but like that that's clearly an issue for them. Is they need to be better on defense. They need to be better behind the plate as well. I believe um, they need you know they need to to walk fewer guys. They need to uh, they need to play more winning baseball, as Chris Limon has put it repeatedly. They they've made a lot of mistakes this weekend that winning teams don't make. Um, free bases and just you know. You follow up a beginning with a leadoff walk or, you know, a walk hit by pitch or whatever it is. They need to pitch better, obviously. But, I mean, I do think they got pieces on the mound. Kind of like Oklahoma, they have pieces on the mound. I like their piece on the mound considerably better than like Oklahoma's pieces on the mound. It's just a matter of how those roles are going to settle. Yeah. Mississippi State's self-inflicted damage. Joe, I want you to comment on top of this. But so, you know, Co- Coach Farron and I had the game for our streaming service. And in this was research that I had done, um, hashtag research. Um, in Mississippi State's five losses, they're averaging nine walks, one hit by pitch, and two and a half errors. So, you know, to Chris Lamonis's point, not a winning formula. So I had made a comment. Fitzy, you just kind of alluded to it. Every time Mississippi State has done something good, they just literally hand the momentum back to the other team. And I made the comment that Mississippi State is not handling success well. And someone quote tweeted me on Twitter and said, oh, analyst Mike Rooney said that Mississippi State has not handled success since their national title. And however I misphrased it, and I will take, you know, clearly I said something confusing, but I was like, no, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like, is this that the is lady a- who tweeted at me going, hey, you need to get your guys to quit banging on Mississippi State? No, I'm like, no, yeah, no. I'd be really surprised if Runes and Farron were bagging on Mississippi yeah. State. But but I, what I was trying to communicate was that like exactly what Fitzy said like they'd score yeah. three and then you know walk the leadoff hitter like it felt like that was chronic and even seasonally if you look at this like you know they they lose that crazy game to VMI and then they win the next game and then where you feel like they're okay and then they get bombed by Arizona State on Friday night and then you're like oh maybe we're not okay then they win the next two games and we're like then you beat Southern Miss in a big comeback you're like great and then they play terrible the first so it's like. I, Mississippi State's fans are very passionate, but and I'll turn it over to you at this point, Joe. They are officially on a roller coaster ride right now. No doubt. That, that was exactly what I was going to say is one thing that bugs me as much as, as the individual performances, although I agree that the defense is a little bit worrisome and some of the pitching stuff is worrisome as well, is that there doesn't seem to be a lot of linear progression here. They don't, they don't seem to be able to stack success on top of itself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, thought, I thought they'd really turned a corner against Arizona State. You know, we, we during a top 25 call that at the end of that weekend, like I, I told you guys that I 
I thought they had they had really done something, and then it, they they turn around, and, and that's not really the case. And the other thing I would say is, I'm not definitive about this, but one thing I would put a a bug in everyone's ear about is, I wonder if there's a little bit of a canary in the coal mine for them offensively that, you know, they've seen the t- two best arms they've seen are Ross Dunn at Arizona State and Isaiah Coupet of Ohio State. They lost both of those games, and. Coupette walked a bunch of guys, right? I mean, Aaron and Runes, you would know better than I, like six walks. And so some of that might just be leaving guys on base and the hits didn't cluster together. And I'm willing to excuse that. But I do think that's interesting that they've seen two, what I would call, you know, high-end Friday arms that are at least on in the neighborhood of what they're going to see on most Fridays in the SEC. And they they lost both those games. And um, again, that that might be nothing, but it is something that I'm kind of monitoring now is... I, I really like the offensive pieces. Let me be clear about that. But there are a lot of really good offenses in the SEC. Mark and I recorded a podcast as of, as we do this just a few hours ago. And we talked about the fact that we like State's offense. And we talked about this in regards to A&M. We, we think A&M will come around. But there are so many good offenses in the SEC this year. How good is good? Are you mm-hmm. the sixth best? Ooh. Are you the eighth best? Yeah. Like Those could still be good offenses. But there are just so many. Florida, LSU, at you know whoever else tennessee obviously that anyway i'm rambling now at this point but but i that was something that did kind of catch my attention that the two best arms they've seen are in games they've they've lost and i think that's something to monitor moving forward as they go into sec play how how just how good is this offense it's where their bread is buttered right now but is it going to be a a top half of the sec offense or just kind of middle of the pack one I can give you guys a positive and then a concern on Mississippi State. The positive is they've had some real gut punches. You know, like we're looking in our top 25 at a lot of teams that have really not tested themselves at all. They've played a lot of inter-squad games. And Mississippi State is not the case. I mean, they they have challenged themselves in some unique ways. Even Southern Miss in a midweek game already, like that's a hellacious challenge, I think, in a lot of ways. My concern for Mississippi State is – you know, the lineup Fitzy and I watched this weekend, you've got Amani Larry hitting first. Um, you've got, oh my gosh, uh, Colton Ledbetter hitting second. You've got kids that have been in your program like Hunter Hines hitting sixth. You've got Kellum Clark hitting eighth. And if I'm Chris Limonis, I'm kind of looking at Hines and Clark like, are you really letting these non-Power 5 transfers going to come in here and eat your lunch? Like, and now Kellum Clark had some really good moments this weekend, as did Hunter Hines. But I, I think that's the that's my synopsis. You know, I love the competitiveness of this team. They've not laid down. They've been to the canvas several times already, and they've not. They've gotten up each time. But the roles are really unsettled. I mean, can can they really be who they want to be with Kellum Clark hitting eighth? I don't yeah. think so. I and, don't know. And, and you've got a, a true freshman, a five foot, ten hundred seventy pound right-handed hitter named Bryce Chance in your three hole. You know, and he's just yeah, you know, he's a grinder, and Lamonis loves him, and I love him too. Yeah. Like yeah. he's Great he's player. a winner. He's going to have a great career there. But, I mean, like, when it comes to pure tools and physicality, it's like, how is this guy hitting three-hole when Hines is in the six-hole and Ledbetter's hitting eight? Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, it, you know, but but then again, like, credit the coaches for just pulling some levers here that seem to be working because that kid's producing, you know, and he continued to produce when they put him in the three-hole. And and so, you know, I think that, that's, that's, that's good to think maybe a little bit um, – beyond the traditional when it comes to, yeah. to profiles or whatever else. But, but also t- I think your point is you want to see Hines and you want to see Clark and these, you know, veteran guys, Luke Hancock, these guys have been in the program. They, they do need to, you know, they need to have good years. I mean, yeah. they, they really do. Um, uh, 
we, we've talked a while about Mississippi State. Joe, I, I really want to know what you thought about Georgia, Georgia Tech this weekend. That was yes. a, a fascinating yeah. series. I mean, first off, Georgia Tech's really fighting it right now. Just get the Georgia Tech part of it out of the way. They're super banged up in their lineup. They've lost Drew Compton, although he's probably talked to Danny Hall after the game. He's uh, optimistic he'll be back in the lineup by the weekend or at some point during the weekend. But he's he's one of their, you know, arguably the best returning bat, right? And then uh, Christian Campbell is, has been down with injury since the first game of the season. Jaden Jackson is down with injury. Their projected Saturday starter, Logan McGuire, is out with injury. Cameron Hill, who is going to be one of their two or three best bullpen arms, is down with injury. So that's five core pieces right there. Um, you know, so not only is Georgia Tech struggling on the mound, which I think we always kind of – that has traditionally been their weaker part of their game and was probably going to be again. Not only is that true, it's been exacerbated by injuries. And, oh, by the way, because they're light in their lineup right now and are having to play some some freshmen and some younger kids who just really aren't ready – they're also not really equipped to win 12 to 10 games, which tends to be something they can, they can do pretty well. So they're in a tough spot right now. They're just kind of looking to tread some water until they get into the teeth of, of ACC play and, and hope they can, they can do enough. So on Georgia though, I came away really impressed, but I liked the lineup more than I thought I would. I, I thought that the lineup for them coming into the season had a really high floor because it's old. It, it's guys who have been around the block it's, you know, one through nine, it was going to be pretty solid. I compared it a little bit to Alabama's lineup in the same way, but I think the ceiling for Georgia, based on what I saw, was a lot higher. Charlie Condon is is chief among the reasons why. There was a lot of buzz coming him at, uh, for him out of the summer, and Patrick Ebert actually wrote a, a great profile on him from the Northwoods League this summer. Um, it was the f- first time I'd, I'd heard his name, and it's just, you know, Sick, you know, a 6'6, 225 pound, just big, strong kid who just redshirted last year, just frankly, because he wasn't ready. He wasn't physically ready. And those are getting more and more rare in college baseball players who just do a traditional redshirt and then are just real dudes the next year. It's it's increasingly rare. And so he's kind of a, a rare breed right now, but he, he tended to be kind of a, a pull side power guy. Now he's hitting with real power to the backside. I mean, he stung a double in the first inning of the first game that had to have been hundred plus miles an hour off the bat. He hit three home runs over the weekend, hit one that was one ten off the bat. I mean, he's really anchoring the middle of that order and going into the year, I kind of thought, okay, maybe parks Harbor is like a 15 home run guy. And, you know, Ben Anderson and Connor Tate have some power, but I wasn't sure they'd really have that sec player of the year type of guy. And, and maybe it's one of those aforementioned guys, but I think it could be Charlie Condon if he keeps this up and the, the pitching is more of the question, but I, I liked, what I saw from Jaden Woods. He's still a work in progress. It took him a few innings to get the secondary stuff going, but once it goes, it flat, the, the, the breaking ball in particular flashes plus when it's really going. And the, the thing about him is that he can be competitive in games, even if he doesn't have that, because he can always throw a fastball up and get a swing and miss. Yeah. He's always going to have that in his bag. So when the stuff, when the secondary stuff comes along, he's really, really dangerous. So I thought he took a step forward. It's the best lineup he's seen. It was six shutout innings. You have to like that. I also liked Liam Sullivan. I'd like to continue to see him progress. I'm not sure he has a put away pitch. He kind of struggled to put hitters away. He's all around the zone. So there, there's that. He's got four pitches. He can vary his repertoire, but he didn't have, he, in my look, he didn't really have anything that was really putting hitters away. Now he pitched a good game, um, but that would be kind of my question about him. And then they're still looking for a Sunday guy, but you know, who among us isn't still looking for a Sunday guy? The number of, 
the number of Sunday starters that teams really, you know, are set on and love is, is increasingly small. So they're in good company with trying to find a Sunday guy. And it might be Matthew Hoskins, freshman who's just coming back from being sick in the preseason. He had an illness that slowed him down and now he's back on the mound. I wouldn't be shocked if you look up in April and it's, it's Matthew Hoskins pitching on the weekends. Cause in, in the relief outing I saw over the weekend, he was excellent and, and really looks the part. It's just a matter of getting him up to speed. The fabulous rune dogs are not looking for a Sunday guy, Joe, because Sam Laboki <laughs> got right this weekend. Mm-hmm. Boys, let me ask you, let me ask you a, a SEC question that I've been thinking about. Kendall, I'm going to start with you. So lock in there. Uh, Bradley, the, uh, check my notes, parentheses, check notes. Uh, so here's my question. Who is winning the SEC regular season championship this year? Who will be your SEC regular season champion? And true or false, the SEC regular season title will still be on the line the final Saturday of the season. So all three of you are going to answer this. I will as well. Question is, who is your regular season SEC champion as we sit here today? True or false, the SEC regular season championship will be uh, on the line the final Saturday of the season. Kendall, Bradley, Rogers, what say you? I'm going to go with Tennessee. Ooh. I'm going to go with the Vols, and I'm going to say they clinch it the second to last weekend. Wow. Okay, I like that. I like balls. it. Fitzy, what say you? Away. Look at this guy. I mean, you know, LSU's the one team in the country has been since the preseason. Uh, they have the best players. They have the best team. I'm not going to overthink this thing. I'm going to say it's the LSU fighting Tigers. Um, and, you know, but I do think it goes down to the wire between LSU, Florida, Florida being the one that I'm very intrigued by and yeah. Tennessee, obviously. Um, yeah, the Ole Miss. I mean, there's plenty of teams in the West as well. But I think there's enough, enough of a free-for-all that this thing goes down to the final weekend. Uh, yes. but, but, but the Tigers clinch it on Saturday of the final weekend. Love that. Joseph, let's say you. Go Gators. Can you help me out with the next, what is it? Come on Gators. Give it a go. It's like, give it a go. Give it a go. I don't get it. The other thing about Florida is I'm still not sold on their bullpen. Uh, I Their mean, bullpen's still an issue. Kiddo, you're being kind. Their bullpen is a disco inferno right now. Like it's yeah, yeah just, like that. It's SEC's it's, a tough league if your bullpen's in shambles. Woo. Yes, it's it's just like so. I I hear you. I and I agree, Mark. Yeah. Again, not to not to just be a plug fest here, but the Highway to Hoover podcast. Mark and I <laughs> yeah. talk about this. I mean, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. But here's the thing. I mean. Okay, LSU is probably like in some level just the right answer here because it's the number one team in the country, but there's the East advantage. But also, how many teams in the SEC do we, I mean, think don't necessarily have questions in their bullpen, right? I mean, I think that's just kind of a quintessential college baseball thing, especially in 2023. I, I don't think there's any team Tennessee's capable bullpen's of just... pretty good. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, there are a number of teams that we should feel good about bullpens. I'm just saying that that puts Florida in pretty decent company, and I yeah. think, you know, just what they've shown offensively has been so. I mean, it has exceeded. I think it's reasonable to say it's exceeded all of our expectations for what they are offensively. I mean, the track record, frankly, the track record of early enrollee freshmen being instant impact offensive players is not great. 
Um, some do better than others, but the idea that Cade Curland has done what he's done through three weeks is, is just incredible. And the, I mean, the physicality, that's the thing too, is they can come in and hit for some average, but a guy who's driving the ball like Cade Curland is, is an early enrollee is, is something I didn't see coming anyway. So I think all this, I mean, I just, it's I like mean, a, I'm it's like a young Taylor Gushu. That's right. Oh, wow. Yeah, he, that's a pull right there. He was, uh, his name was invoked on the uh, Sunday broadcast oh, uh, by, by KP as a matter of fact. Um, on the uh the shout out to uh the the really was it was that the first like actual tv tv college baseball game we yeah, had this for, year yeah uh, berkey berkey and dave neal had a game and then um yep. yeah and kp and mike monaco had a game if i'm not yeah mistaken. i mean other than longhorn network i guess longhorn yeah, network yeah, though, is mostly the the and zonk. joe i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna pile on with you i'm going gators even though kendall's point yeah. is is really well taken like i don't know that you can win this league with a bullpen that's as ablaze as the Gators is I just love this team I I you nailed it Joe like everything you said LSU really is it feels like the right answer although Tennessee is that offense has improved quickly we don't know if they're feasting on bad pitching but at least they've got all the pieces back I don't know that's why I think it's a fun question I love all three teams can I can I give you another fun question how about the ACC I'm gonna say this take a step back Wake Forest because Louisville's coming we come Louisville looked really, yeah. really good over the weekend. Classic I'm, I'm Kendall. You, I saw a team this great. weekend. They look good. I'm going to hop on that bandwagon. Dude, you're the same guy in the fall that mm. watches one team in the fall, and you're like, oh, these guys are going to be incredible. I didn't even see the Deeks this fall, and I was convicted anyway <laughs> because they're uh, they're the best team in the ACC. I mean, well, it's just, they're, they're, they're ridiculous. Tell us what yeah, you saw in Louisville, I, though, Kendall, because so, it was convincing. Man, I, I love their lineup. First of all, I mean, they had, you know, Logan Beard hitting an eight hole, uh, you know, raking. My man Christian Napchik at the top of the lineup was really good. Jack Payton, one of the more exciting players in college baseball. Their, their lineup was relentless over the weekend. But I think the biggest thing for me that stood out was just their starting pitching. That was the number one question mark, you know, coming into the season. And, you know, Ryan Hawks, who had 27 appearances last year, I think he started one game. I think the one game he might have started might have been the Super. Did he? I think he might have started one of the Super Games after Poland. Uh, but at any rate, he was really, really good against a and I mean, it was 93-95, uh, like a hammer breaking ball. Uh, Greg Ferone, the junior college transfer, was really good on Saturday. Uh, and then Carson Liggett, you know, threw seven really, really good innings for them on Sunday. So one hit ball. It, yeah. I mean, it's like Aaron said. It, it's a one-weekend snapshot. So we'll see what they do going into ACC play. But man, I, I came away extremely, extremely impressed by their team. They were to to like for a one weekend, they were by far the best team in that field. Like it wasn't even close. Do they have a bullpen? Like, did the bullpen come into play, Kendall? Sorry, Fitzy. Did the bullpen come into play, or are they just it didn't wasn't even. A it was factor? a little rusty at the end of the game against A and M, but I mean they got a lot of options. I mean they could like every arm they brought out there was a good arm. Uh, yeah. It was a little shaky at the end against A and M, but I mean they were up what fourteen nothing. So I mean. <laughs> You know, yeah. no no pressure, right? So they're probably just going in there. Hey, throw it down the middle. But uh, yeah, I I thought they looked really good. And your reports on their starting pitching were were loud. Like what, what you you know what you said about Ryan Hawks. I mean, it's not the same guy I've seen in the past. It sounds like no, he's exactly. really made a jump. And that that is a that is a big difference maker. I mean, we obviously all were were high on their their position players. Um, you know, it's a team that, that they're very athletic. They're they have a lot of length in the lineup. I think it's going to be a premier defensive team. 
um, you know, all the, all the players you talked about. I mean, there's, there's, there's star power galore there. It's, but you know, it, it, so is wake. I mean, you know, wake, it also mm-hmm. has star power galore. Um, and and okay. the, thing, the crazy thing, like somebody asked in the chat today, who, who are the, the elite rotations in college baseball besides, you know, Tennessee or, uh, and I, here's the thing guys, even if wake doesn't have Teddy McGraw this year, um, I still think it's an elite rotation, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Brett louder, Josh Hartle too at Hartle did this weekend. There's a career high, like 12 strikeouts or something. And then the, the Sean Sullivan kid, he's freaking good. Like I'll take yeah. those three guys, you know, and they're, they got one of the best closers in the country with Manasi. And, and it's just, uh, they got depth. I mean, it's still, even without a, a potential first round talent in, in McGraw, it's still like a really, really good pitching staff and, and, a, and a really, really good veteran offense. I, you know, it'll be a great race. Don't get me wrong. Like, and there's, there's a lot of other good teams. I mean, obviously, you know, NC state and Virginia haven't really played anybody, but there's, they're undefeated, you know, which, mm-hmm. which is nice yeah. we all know they're going to hit a ton. Uh, we'll see about their pitching. I mean, I think Carolina is fairly, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think Florida state is, is intriguing as, as they showed at, at TCU. Um, although they lost obviously this past weekend, but the league is wide open. I mean, it's, you know, but, but yeah. it's wide open after Wake and Louisville. I do feel like those feel like the two best yeah. teams. Yeah. How about, and how about Virginia Tech? I mean, they swept a yeah. really good Charlotte team over the weekend. So, you know, Vod Tech, that was a team that, you know, Joe was pitching for big time in the preseason. Like they've looked really good. And Virginia Tech, the Chris Canizero kid, I believe is a former Patriot League player, Bucknell, former Bucknell Bison. That sound right? Correct. Really cool yeah, hitting over 500. Correct. So Huge weekend, just I mean, just a bon- bonkers, bonkers week. I think he's our national player of the week, isn't he? Yeah. Gotta love one, one last note on Louisville was kind of interesting. I was talking to Mac after the game yesterday, and he he kind of compared Ryan Hawks's rise as a starter to to the the steps that like Chad Green and like Adam Wolf took during their careers. He said he it, it remind he told me it reminds him a lot of the jumps they made, you know, when they moved in the weekend rotation. So. At any rate, it was a really good weekend for Louisville, and uh, we'll see how they do. They, well, I think it's the April 14th, 15th, and 16th. They have Wake Forest in Louisville. That'll be a fun series. Can, can I just say shout out Dan McDonald? Like nobody, nobody does a better job like invoking former players in his program. Oh man, uh, it's it's so great. Like every year he's got so many great parallels, but but it's they're valid. He always makes these great parallels, uh, developmental parallels, in addition to just straight up comparisons. But just like <laughs> the, the way that you know he, he draws upon the the kind of rich heritage that he that they built in that program since he got there in 2007. He does that so well, and and I think that 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 helps players with the with, you know. To, to buy in like here's mm-hmm. an example of a guy who had to sit a year and wait for his opportunity you know i mean here here's um you know there's just so many there's so many guys like that who've had to who've kind of bide their time um and, yep. and then you know i'm trying to think of the, the corner infielder who wound up being a high pick but drew ellis that's it exactly like it's yeah. a great example and there's so many so many guys like that Yep, mac is great like uh it's very old fashioned, very old school. And I, I mean that like a, as a huge compliment where he coaches those kids hard and he asks a lot of them, but don't, don't you even dare think about criticizing his players. It's like criticizing his children. And, and when those kids are done and they're going to be drafted, like he will go to the wall for those players. It's very much. Yeah. A, go ahead, Kendall. No, I was going to say, it's really funny. Like before the AM game on Friday, the Astros, you know, had all these highlight videos for all the teams. And the highlight video they had for AM before the first inning literally was all super regional highlights. Oh boy. And it showed like the AM dog piling and all that. And you know, you look down there and Louisville's whole team standing on the edge of the dugout. Like from that point on, I was like, oh man, Louisville's about to pummel these dudes. And they it, did pummel them. 
there's a little bit of like Bill Belichick, New England Patriots vibe with, with that program. Which, oh, you no know, doubt. They were pissed. I mean, it's, you know, they, they do, they do a really good job. I, I feel like with the motivational stuff and oh, he, no he's, he's a master of that stuff. He really is. No question. Hey boys, uh, let's put a cap on the ACC with this. Um, Miami came out of the rankings you know, what they, they've had an interesting season. I, I'm curious your guys' take, but, you know, they nearly lose a series to Penn State, but C.J. Kafis doesn't let them ha- doesn't let that happen. Yo-Yo Morales is off to a great start. Um, you know, Andrew Walter is doing his thing. Um, this weekend, you know, they had that huge comeback in game two against the Gators. C.J. Kafis, again, turned an incredible, you know, 3-2 double play on, um, what are they calling them, the, the jackhammer? Uh, Jackie Cags, Jack Caglione. Um, but and either way, they, you know, the problem for Miami, in my opinion, is they got, you know, they got kind of wasted. But the other two games, they get kind of run off the field. But what where, where, where do you guys stand on Miami? Is it just, you know, it, it, they're eight and four. So that's it makes it tough to be ranked. But I don't know. I don't know what to make of Miami right now. I love the top of the roster. I'm concerned about the depth of the roster. I, yeah, it, I think, it's pretty. Go ahead, Joe. It's pretty clear that what they're doing in the rotation, at least through a few weeks outside of, of Ligon has been solid is, is just really not working. Gage Zeal has struggled. Alejandro Rosario has struggled. And it feels like that's kind of the crux of it. Those are, those are guys who are averaging about four innings a start and sure. Some of that is early season pitch counts, yada, yada, yada. But that, that to me is kind of seems like the biggest thing. I feel like they've hit enough. You, you look at the stat sheet and it looks pretty good. You're like, okay. And then you look at the mound and you mentioned it. Walter has been pretty good. Ligon has been pretty good, but they just haven't gotten much out of those other two starting spots. And, and Zeal in particular has struggled. ZRA is over, over 11 at this point. And I feel like without having the box scores here in front of me, it's been pretty consistently rough every time out. It's not just one outing that really ballooned his numbers. So I think that's something they're ultimately going to have to going to have to shore up. And I, I, you know, I think it's a little bit telling that, you know, Rosario is a really good arm and, and I'm not just picking on the kid. He's a really good arm, but, you know, they've, they've kind of tried him and he's been in the rotation for a while and it's just never quite 100% clicked. And, um, you know, the fact that there, there really isn't anybody else that they're able to, to, to put into that role or, or to challenge him necessarily, I think kind of shows that they maybe don't have many other buttons they feel comfortable pushing, at least at, at this stage of the game in the rotation. Love it. Hey, Fitzy, let me transition you. I want to cover one more thing and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get close to wrapping here. So Oregon state came in. We've talked about them a bunch on past podcasts. Iowa came in. We talked about them Campbell. So they've got the, the pitcher Cade Keeler. Am I saying his name right? Yeah. So that's the famous arm, but I heard you say this weekend, Fitzy, that, that Campbell's position player group is probably better than people um, think fair assessment. Yes, I, I would I would say that is that is correct. Um, I, I think it's you know I, I get that you don't have a, a first rounder like they had last year with Zach Neto, but yeah. um, it's 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 guys that have been around. I mean you know Drake, Drake Pierce is probably the best player in that league. You know a guy that that hits for average and, and, and hits for power and um, you know he's he's fairly athletic for for a corner guy and Jared Belbin. I mean Tyler Halstead. I mean these guys have been around a long time. Um, you know, Lawson Harrell. I mean, the veteran veteran players in this lineup, Bryce Arnold. I mean, you know, guys that guys that have have experience and just know how to execute their offense. And to, to me, it feels like um, they play a style that, that's kind of similar to to like in Oklahoma. You know, where it's a t- just a ton of quality at bats. They're very aggressive with their bunting game, um, and, and they have power. I mean, it's maybe it's more like a Matt Degg style offense because the, the 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 combination of uh, of you know. 
the hyper aggressive bunning and running game, but also like there, there's real power here. There's physicality. It's, it's kind of like that, that rhythm style, you know, uh, hitters, you know, that, that, that just like they, they feed off each other and, and, and it's, it's like a, I don't know. They, they, they can, they can, they're multidimensional and, and they're, they're fun to watch and they can really, they can really get it going. Um, but uh, uh, I think they have depth on the mound and, and I think they have, you know, length in the lineup and variety. And, you know, I mean, we talk about Keeler, of course, but I mean, Ty Cummings at the back end is, you know, 97 mile an hour arm that that's got experience and, and, you know, good stuff. I think I like chance to Quilla, um, the Keela, the Quilla, um, who they brought in, I believe this year as, as a, as a transfer. I mean, that's a, that's like, like a bulldog, you know, quality four pitch guy. And he, he's been pretty good for him. He's three and zero now. So, uh, you know, I, they, they haven't done as well on Sundays. I think they may be still trying to figure out that part, uh, on the mound, but like, I think they're, I actually think they're, you know, their talent level compares with these teams that we were talking about for our rankings this week. Like we talked about how do they compare with Oregon State, how they compare with Auburn. You know, I mean, I, you know, maybe there's there's not as much pro talent in the lineup, but I think there is on the mound, and I think the lineup has has experience that that match. You know, certainly exceeds Oregon State's experience, for instance. They they have they definitely have a type offensively. That's one thing I've always noticed about them. Like. A majority of their best hitters, it feels like, are and this is of course an oversimplification, but it's like 5'11, 200 pounds, you know, super strong, physical, like fairly athletic, mostly positionless, you know, <laughs> like could play third, could play corner outfield, could play second, <laughs> maybe, you know. So, not, not the like outside of Neto, obviously, he's such an outlier, but you know, they're not the prospectiest, they're not the most athletic, they're not, they're not typically you know, overly flashy defensively, but they, they, they certainly have a type offensively and it, it just really works. Yeah. I, and, and I, I think that's a, that's a great point. It's kind of what I was trying to get is like, if you think about some of the guys on that, that 2014, you know, Louisiana Lafayette team mm. that, that, you know, was number one national seed. It's like some of those, those style of players, um, they, they would like fit great in this Campbell team, like the Jace Conrads or the, you know, Caleb Adams is like these kind of, uh, you know, I can't remember some of the other guys, but like th- those Chase sorts Compton. of players, Chase Compton, like, right. Like they're, 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 they're exactly like you put those guys on 2023 20, Campbell and it's like, you could play the same style of offense and be like the same kind of a, a feel to that team. I don't know if Joe, if you feel the same way, but. Yeah, I still remember back in that super with Louisiana when Chase Compton hit a grand slam and then bunted in his next at bat. Yeah, so and that's it. That's Campbell. <laughs> Same kind of that's deal. The, the problem is if if you tried to put those 2014 Raging Cajuns on 2023 Campbell, they might be a little bit past their prime to be college players <laughs> right now. I mean, they're not old. They're not old because they're like 30, but like you know, if, if they uh, haven't really been yeah. keeping up with the, I don't know. <laughs> Those both of those teams, it's like you could you could take eleven of those kids and make them a kickoff team in Division One football, and they would do excellent. Like that would be that might be something we need to look into. Hey, let's mention uh, teams that we considered. FGCU obviously had the series win at Florida State. UCSB continues to kind of lurk right outside the rankings. UC Irvine is off to a killer start. Auburn, yeah. of course, Grand Canyon. I want to give a shout out to Josh Hauser, the SID at Grand Canyon, who's awesome. And I believe he operates the Twitter account. He had an incredible gif from the office on uh, kind of coming at some of us that picked against them in our 
weekly picks. It was well played. I, I love the weekly picks. I wish I was better at them. Yeah, um, I had a coach reach out to me, uh, you know, thanking Fit for picking against him. I went and looked at our picks, and it was like 50-50. So I'm not sure why yeah. he singled out Fit. I, he was kidding around. but so. It was like six six to five <laughs> in our picks. But I got singled out because, you know what? I, hey, listen, <laughs> heavy is the head that wears the crown, guys. I mean, I get it. Well, you know. <laughs> So you get singled out on the picks. I get singled out on the top 25. Like apparently the Twitter sphere thinks I'm the one who does the top, yeah. the top 25 every week. So. Kendall Rogers hates my team. I mean, that's just <laughs> that's the bottom line. I don't know why they would think that. Hey, boys, let me, let's finish on this. Each week that goes by, I'm getting more and more sold on the pitch timer thing. You know, it's just one of the things that I'm thinking about is, you know, Fitzy and I had a pitching coach tell us that, you know, the strike zone is, is, you know, now we're in this trackman era and umpires are calling a tighter zone. College pitchers just aren't ready for the strike zone and it's problematic. The strike throwing's not great. The the pitch the thing that, that makes me nervous about the pitch timer, Fitzy and I witnessed this. Tucker Bougie from Cal, who's a really talented arm, the technology was failing him in the first inning, and he was kind of freaking out on the mound. Now Mike New wisely made a visit and settled him down and he he kind of got through it, but you know, the technology is an important part of this. Using the pitch timer in the ninth inning makes me very nervous. All that said, I'm in on the pitch timer. I think we just got to continue to, you know, enhance it. I heard Theo Epstein on a, um, Epstein on a, a podcast recently, the uh, R2C2 podcast. That's the one with CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco. And anyway, Theo Epstein was so brilliant as the way he laid this out. But Kendall, I was thinking of you the other night. Like, I want the extra inning rule. I want to run around. Like, I don't want to watch 16 innings of, of you know, nobody on. Um, I want the 10-run rule. Like, I, I've kind of really turned course here. Um, but I, I think the I want these things. You know, I want the bigger base, honestly, too. Where, where do you guys stand? Are you feel like you're more in on the pitch timer three weeks in or kind of where you were originally? I'll go real quick. I mean, I had a discussion with a with an umpire, a longtime umpire over the weekend. And the, the only the only point I made to him, we were talking about the pitch timer. The only point I made to him was what I do not want is a situation to where someone's postseason ends because of a pitch clock violation. So what I would actually like to see is, you know, it's kind of like the the you know, the same as like, you know, holding holding the whistle in basketball. Like if you're in the postseason. It's eighth and ninth inning. It's a one-run game. The pitcher's nervous. The batter's nervous. Every dugout's nervous. Like, you know, let's have some feel and let's not just, you know, as soon as the clock hits zero, you know, strike. Like, I, I do want something in play for the postseason to where in the eighth or ninth inning of a close game, we're not, you know, you know, LSU fans aren't exploding because their season ended as the number one national seed because Paul Skeens didn't throw the ball quick enough. Like, I just don't – I don't want that to become the storyline. But Not other than that, inning, I'm all sure. in. Yep. I'm all in. Fitzy, what say you? Uh, you know, I guess ultimately I, I I agree with what you said, Runes. I mean, um, for a while I didn't know if I wanted to be a traditionalist or not, um, you know. And I think I've decided no. I, I think the, yeah. the, game, the, game is, <laughs> the game is moving forward. The game yeah. is moving forward at all levels. The game is moving forward in the big leagues. You know, it's like it's the stodgiest freaking institution that there is. Major League Baseball, like, oh, we're all these things are sacred because we've done them for 100 years, even though the game has actually constantly evolved, you know, (laughs) to to varying degrees over the years. But they're really taking radical steps. And so, like, 
it's for the better of the game. Like we need to modernize. We need to move into uh, an era where, you know, attention spans last as long as an Instagram freaking, mm-hmm. what do they call them? Shorts? Post. What do they call? Nobody, nobody tell them. Like, make Story. a guess. Nobody. Stories. <laughs> nobody no, they're like clips. Them. I don't know what, what they Why are. Why are you? I thought you were a hip, dude. Fitzy's more of a TikTok guy. Listen, the kids today, <laughs> yeah. they, got, they got no attention span, gentlemen. And so um, we, we, we better shorten our games. We better absolutely bring on the run rule 100% all year round. Um, you know, not just in, in conference games or whatever we need. We certainly need them in the, in the, the non-conference. We certainly do. We need uh, the – sure. I mean, crazy international tiebreaker stuff, fine. Let's, let's go. Like, we don't need yeah. 16 innings in February or March. This is stupid. Um, I'm, I'm ready, guys. I'm not a traditionalist. I'm a reformer. I'm ready for the year 2025 to be, uh, you know, yes. the year of, of, of lean, mean college baseball games. I love it. Jose, what say you? It sounded like a campaign speech. So a, a lot to react fit. to there. I, I find it funny that Aaron, it wasn't that you were deciding whether or not you liked the rules. You first had to decide whether or not you wanted to be a traditionalist before you so could great. form an opinion on the rules. Identity. So yeah, there. Right. So that that was uh, that was funny. I had something else, but I forgot it. But real quick, I'm gonna I'm gonna derail us. I apologize, Runes, but in the words of that one movie, which I also have not seen, I am the captain now. Uh, <laughs> trivia time. <laughs> yes. Can anyone name a member of the starting rotation of that 2014 Louisiana Lafayette team? One of them is pretty easy. The other two are just uh, Austin great. Austin like, Austin yeah. Robichaux. That is correct. What about one of the other two names? I could not. Oh, boy. They're both great, like, blast in the past names. I would also take their closer, who has a pretty good name. I, I, I think I know all their position players. I'm drawing a blank on the other two starters. What do you got, Joe? We got Carson Baranek. Mm. Oh, yeah. All of their team in innings. Very Cody Louisiana. Booty. Oh, thank yeah. you. And then their closer was Reagan Bazaar. Oh, that Reagan is, Bazaar. That is, that is that great. Is that was such a great team. Didn't they have that, uh, Ryan Wilson? Was, was he on that team? He was Ryan pretty Wilson, good. Ryan Wilson, yep. There was, actually, you know what? Ryan Wilson had more saves than Reagan Bazaar. Also, Matt Plitt had a had handful of saves. That, so. that, one that was the one. most exciting Super Bowl <laughs> I've ever been to. Man, that, that, that place was a freaking circus. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, now I will I will give the wheel of the ship back to Runes real quick, but I will answer your question. I, I'm i for the, the, the clock changes in particular – and I think it was telling that uh, shout out Pat Combs, who called all nine of the Shriners games. <laughs> um, that's just those are long days, man. That's he was the color day. analyst for all nine of them. And I heard him say in one of the games, I forget which I was watching, that he wasn't sure about it. And Pat Combs is, I, I'm sure, more of a traditionalist. He was, you know, a big leaguer back in the 80s and, and early 90s. And he's from that era. And, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was cool of him to say like, you know what, I didn't think I'd like this. I kind of wondered like, what are we doing to our game? And now that I've called games that have these rules, I like them. And so it just goes to show that with change like this, baseball fights change so hard, but like the minute something changes, people see that it's fine and we just kind of move on, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and, and I think we've seen the change be, pretty stark like the games every game i've been to and i've been there for a couple i was there for 18 to 8 old miss maryland with a whole bunch of walks and yes it was a run rule game but it was still you know under three hours you know um it's just been such a dramatic change and i think it was needed because doing these little cutesy little things to try to make the games 
marginally faster. Like if you're doing that, you're not serious. So doing this shows they were actually serious about making the game more watchable and making it better. And, and I think so far they've been a, a huge success. We had yep. a game in Frisco this weekend that was like, uh, it felt like it was a high scoring game. It was like, whatever, 15 to nine or something, a ton of walks and base runners. It was still like less than three and a half hours or something, you know, yeah, or, yeah. like three fifteen or something. Yeah. It yeah. was, so that, yeah, yeah the, ce- the ceiling has come down on those like really long slogs of games. But like, but Texas A and M will still find a way to play a four hour four to three game in uh, in Omaha somehow. They'll find a way. We played a five hour uh, five hour forty five minute game the other night. They'll just they'll just foul off eighteen pitches per at bat, and that is a unique skill. Uh, I give them credit. That's a unique skill. Um, hey, Instagram Reels. That's what I was going for. Oh, that's oh, what, yeah. yeah that's what I was gonna yeah. say. I think the word you were looking for is Reels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I forgot. Yeah. Love coach, that. coach, you close us out, would you? Yeah. Yes. I will close this out. Uh, a ton of great stuff on the website right now. If at checkout you type in the fabulous rune dogs, you will pay full, full freight. So don't do that. Don't type in. <laughs> Actually, I thought it was 150% over the cost. Yeah. Well, I've, I've, I've talked to some people and we've removed the tariff, but still, like, we've got a discount. <laughs> type in save 23. Hashtag inflation. Yes, hashtag inflation. Save 23 <laughs> and you'll get 20% off. Uh, website, there's so much great stuff. You know, again, all weekend it was so fun doing the streaming and, and we, we get to talk about our favorite parts of the website. I even gave a tutorial on how to watch a college baseball game through our website. You've got a player page up. You've got the two teams fall reports up and you've got the scores page up. I mean, that's that's watching a college baseball game like a pro right there. And the D1 Digest, your, your weekend mornings should have a cup of coffee and the D1 Digest every Saturday morning, every Sunday morning, that the like end of story. So, uh, gentlemen, well done. Have a great week. I promise we're going to do a Thursday night preview this week. Yeah. I, I am not kidding this time. We're doing that. We're getting back on track. Uh, that's it. Everybody have a great week. We will catch you next time on the D1 Baseball Podcast. <laughs>